Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Decoding TV mini-sode is what I've been calling them. Uh, I know Patrick prefers Ahsoka-sode, but... I think that's too confusing. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing, uh, we have a mini episode discussing Ahsoka episodes five and six, episode five, Shadow Warrior, episode six, Far, Far Away, or actually part five, part six is what they're called canonically. Patrick Klepek, thanks for chatting. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. Look, you know what, uh, David, I just trust the audience to understand the nuance of Ahsoka Sode. And so I look, I, you know, I'll, we'll just put it out there. The audience can weigh in, please, in the comments at uh, Decoding TV. Let us know. Like, yeah. Which one do you prefer? DecodingTV.com is where you can uh, sign up to receive free updates, but also become a paid subscriber and support the podcast. And of course, find us across all platforms at Decoding TV. Uh, you know, Patrick, I actually wanted to mention, I posted a, an Instagram reel of us. <gasps> and you know talking about uh de-aging in star wars and uh that uh instagram reel provoked some very strong reactions from star wars fans <laughs> and, yeah. and here, uh, were they normal were they were they normal reactions david uh let's just say they weren't happy that you and i had a platform <laughs> I'm just gonna put that. <laughs> well look uh my my family agrees um so you know there you got some crossover between uh they the, also your family also doesn't like that you have a platform is that no no i think they i think they would yeah, like yeah. me to be uh deplatformed as soon as possible but yeah, sorry my, my, sorry kids my uh my wife has a saying though which is that hey when you start getting like a lot a lot of critical comments you know uh, you, you, the initial reaction might be, "Hey, that's very discouraging and upsetting that this person told me to <laughs> log off forever." Um, but in fact, <laughs> frankly, given some of the things the internet can say, that's that's incredibly kind, David. That's that's borderline <laughs> respectful for the internet these days. In fact, what it is a sign of is that hey, the work is actually reaching outside of your normal spheres of influence. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, some you know a lot of people saw that uh, de-aging clip over at instagram.com slash decoding TV where we are uh, uploading clips as well as on TikTok, you know, TikTok, tiktok.com slash decoding TV. And yeah, the, the, the point that you made was essentially um, they should have recast young Luke Skywalker. They should have recast other people and, and allow other actors to, to carry on the legacy of these beloved characters. And that's a, that's a thing that I agree with. So, uh, Anyway, we can obviously continue that conversation today in our conversation about Ahsoka Parts 5 and Part 6, Shadow Warrior and Far, Far Away. Um, And I do want to just call out that on Decoding TV, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up for you folks. Uh, We are obviously going to be covering uh, the final two episodes of Ahsoka in some form. And also, we got The Continental from the world of John Wick, which is streaming on Peacock, going to be coming up for you. So keep it tuned into Decoding TV. And next week, current plan is to uh, do a, an episode about Gen V. It's a spin-off series of The Boys uh, on Prime Video. And so we'll be covering that on Decoding TV as well. So a lot of great stuff coming up for you. Uh, and just want you to know what to expect right here on Decoding TV. But let's get into it, Patrick Lepic. Episode 5 and 6. All right, let's talk about Episode 5. This is a big one. This is one that 
Uh, a lot of people talked about. There's a lot of chatter online about aired in theaters. Um, you yeah, you could go it, watch this episode in a movie theater if you if you so chose. Indeed, indeed. So I guess a uh, quick overall thought, and then I can read a little bit from this week recap, which I got from Wikipedia. Patrick Lepic, what do you think of episode five? Uh, you know, this has been a show that is straddling a difficult line between its own legacy in animation and part of the approach that you and I have had to the show is, hey, we don't have that history with the show. And if they're not, if they're going to introduce these characters, make them integral, uh, they're going to have to find meaningful ways to invest the audience in these characters if you don't have the legacy and history with the show. And I thought they've done a pretty decent job of that all told in the show so far for what is, I, I think, a very difficult task. And I don't think this episode necessarily misfires on that. But I will say, given the gravity, the weight, the appearance of, of certain characters in this episode, it was for the first time that I kind of felt like, huh, like I felt like uh, like moments that I could tell as like the music swells, like certain nicknames are used. I'm like, oh, I that's supposed to I I could tell that's really important and would mean a lot to me if I had a hundred episodes of it baked into my brain, into my heart. And so I think Shadow Warrior does I think it's a totally like acceptable job of like trying to set up Ahsoka for the the arc of the the end of 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 this season or at least uh, moving her along in that arc. But there was a bit of FOMO on my part of like, oh, I bet this lands so much better if I can be at the screen going like, I know what that is, uh, because it's not just Easter egg references. It's like meaningful referential material to emotional stakes that I just don't have emotional stakes in. And so I thought it was a a fine enough episode that kind of left me on the outside in a way that I haven't felt as much uh, in previous episodes. Yeah, I think you said something along the lines of, you know, this is the first episode where you really felt your lack of Clone Wars knowledge Yeah, uh, watching the show. Uh, okay, so... I, I think it's safe to say we're going to spoil the episode and and what happens in it and you know if you're listening to this true. you probably can, you probably I, already I, know yeah. Yeah. it's in the it's going to be in the in the in the in the summary that you read in, I guess in the I summary but also yeah but also if you're listening to our episode five discussion you're probably <laughs> already caught up <laughs> yeah that's fair that's with what's fair. going on but uh, I'll start you know my, my feelings on this show my feelings on Ahsoka remain largely unchanged. Uh, but I want to, I'll, I'll start by talking about some of the, the positive aspects about the show that I appreciate, right? And one of them is, uh, one of them is seeing an actor like Hayden Christensen return to the role of Anakin Skywalker. Uh, and my understanding is he's really come to terms with this character's role in his life, the actor's life. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people listening to this will remember, but when the prequels came out, they were very roundly derided, right? And and it's kind of like, you know, the people who watched the prequels when they were kids have now grown up and really grown to appreciate them. Like, the the, the prequels have become memes and they've, they've really uh, endured as part of... Uh, 
Star Wars cultural legacy and in a way that has surprised me. Certainly when I watched the prequels for the first time, I was thinking to myself, oh, like we're, we're, I'm never going to, we're never going to hear from these movies again. They're terrible. <laughs> that's it like, for Star Wars. That's it. That's like, it. it was a fun ride. Stick a fork, but... <laughs> stick a fork in it. Stick a fork in it. It's done, right? Um, and what we have seen is like a kind of reckoning with all that, all that negative sentiment from uh, years ago, you know, with people like uh, the guy who played Jar Jar Binks, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ahmed Best and, and mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, him grappling with like all the negativity that like publicly grappling with all the negative negativity he, ex- he experienced, um, which was, you know, despite my feelings about the prequel uh, trilogy, completely unwarranted. No one should ever be harassed or, you know, um, or their life interfered with because of an, a role they played in a film. Right. Um, but for Hayden Christensen, you know, yeah, like uh, a lot of his acting in the prequels, one could argue is pretty terrible. Okay. One could argue. And uh, for him to like come back and uh, actually, in my opinion, despite the de-aging technology, do a pretty good job in his performance in this episode. It feels like I'm slipping uh, back into that character. Yeah, I think that was th- true in, in Obi-Wan, which was a broadly right. terrible show, but I, I think he like the moments that he has in that show were excellent as well. And it just goes to show that like the actor was not necessarily picked wrong. It's how the actor was deployed and how the character was set up because given it, some decent material, like you, you can see him, like adopting that in a way that you can, you can, I think something like this lets you see a little bit into like, what does the fandom see? Like what, what are like children? Like mm-hmm. what did they take mm-hmm. away from that character? Then allows that to be that character that was derived by you and I as right. like young adults watching those films, but that to become iconic to a younger generation that sees that character in a different light. Yeah. And a good performance is a function of a lot of things. It's, it's a function of the dialogue as well. You know, uh, it's a function of the director and and how, what the director instructs the actor to do, and whether they do more than one take, you know, and and so on. Um, so it's also a function of that actor at that point in time. Maybe Hayden Christensen has had a long life since uh, the prequel trilogy, and now he's <laughs> a better 20 actor. Years, we've all gotten older. Yeah, exactly. You know, like maybe he's a better actor. Who knows? But whatever the case, it, I thought he did a great job. Uh, how how for how long did he appear in Obi Wan? Was he in it for like ten minutes, or was he in it for like? It hours? wasn't a ton, um, but it, it was more than a cameo, but not quite, uh, you know, like regular like starring appearances. Yeah. Um. So that's great to see. There's something almost like redemptive in that. There's almost it's like oh, like it feels like the circle is complete. To quote, you know, it's, it feels like hey, like this guy's coming home to a, uh, one of the roles that made him famous. Uh, and he's not someone who's like really in the popular conversation that much these Mm-mm. days. Um, but the fact that he came back in this uh, into this uh, role knocked it out of the park. Uh, there's something really beautiful about that, I think. So uh, that's something I really appreciated about this episode. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about what actually happens in episode five, right? So uh, Jason Sindula. So so Sindula arrives on Sitos, and while investigating alongside his mother, Jason Sindula senses that Ahsoka is in the world between worlds, revealing his own connection with the Force. 
In the in-between space, Anakin explains to Ahsoka that he had been watching her through the Force and deduces that her loss with Balin's skull is partially due to her unresolved guilt over the events that drove them apart. Ahsoka loses a duel with Anakin and relives fragments of her past during the Clone Wars, during which she grows concerned that her legacy will be one of fighting. Believing Anakin's teachings includes his legacy as Darth Vader, she initially refuses him, determined to not be held back by the past, which leads to another duel, finally understanding that she wasn't involved in Anakin's downfall and that her legacy is her own choice. Ahsoka chooses to live and continue fighting. All right, let's pause here for a moment, Patrick. I... This is not an episode or a show, in my opinion, that is really great on subtext. Uh, I I think a lot of actors just saying things that they feel Mm -hmm. and at the same time saying them in ways that are really... uh, Obtuse is the word that comes to mind, you know, and you're supposed to like, hey, these characters are meeting each other and having all these meaningful interactions. And your reaction was, wow, I wish I knew about their history. And my reaction was, I wish I understood what they were trying to say to each other. I mean, I, I, I do. I do understand. But I'm just saying, like, it's just done in such a way where they're kind of speaking in these platitudes that that makes it really hard for me to connect with. Here's a clip from the episode. Ahsoka, within you will be everything I am. All the knowledge I possess. Just as I inherited knowledge from my master and he from his. We're part of a legacy. But my part of that legacy is one of death and war. But you're more than that. Because I'm more than that. You are more, Anakin. But more powerful and dangerous than anyone realized. No complaints about the pacing of that dialogue for me uh, this time. But I think just... um... Uh, You know, I think that works for a lot of people. That that style of dialogue works for a lot of people. Uh, But... For me, it kept me at, like, as with much of the show, it kind of kept me at a remove. This doesn't feel like two people who have a long history reconnecting for the first time, you know, in a long time. It feels like uh, we're kind of just saying fat, like we're making declarative statements, you know, towards each other. Uh, That's kind of my perception of it. But Patrick, what did you think of the personal breakthroughs that Ahsoka has during these interactions? Uh, Ahsoka really just, uh, just, uh, just shoving the genocidal nature of Darth Vader right under the rug. Like you, you're, you're more than all of the, I mean, like that's, you can't get to, you that, in Star Wars. You can't think about that aspect of like the mass, mass killings and like genocides that occur in the show, because that would put too much weight on these, on these characters for, for, for a franchise that is less interested in dealing with like the consequences of that. But I'm, I'm with you. And I think that's, you know, the reaction I saw from folks who have been invested in this series was like, like highest, yeah, highest of highs. And so it's, it's frankly something where it's very difficult for me. Like I'm critical of it in the same way that you are in which like, I wish these characters would just say what they're, I don't, like, I don't need for you to spell it out for me, but I need us to be a little closer to that line than where we're at right now because it feels mm, like a yeah. lot of what's happening here is 
the weight of these characters' relationships is communicating a lot. And that's what leaves you and I as an audience member a bit on the sidelines because the what like that shared right, history right. is not clear to me. I don't know what these images. I mean, like in broad strokes, you're like, oh, like Ahsoka essentially became an apprentice during a war and became yeah. like Ch- child soldier, too. a child soldier, and like, yeah, yeah seems bad. Um, but beautifully does, said, Patrick. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm here for. It's just deep, biting criticism. Yeah, like, yeah seems yeah, bad. Yeah. Uh, but. And I know there's more there, but I, 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 the show is not giving me enough to chew on. Like, it's just sort of like, I feel like it's inference from their shared history, which is why I think so much of the audience that's reacting to this episode in particular is it's what they're bringing to it. And I think it's where it's hard to be like, is this a failing of the show? It's like, well, I think it's a failing of the show. If the show's aim is to get me invested mm. in this relationship going forward, or is Anakin not part of this show and art going forward. And this truly is just, Hey, fan service, the episode, like we're checkboxing this to give Ahsoka this moment as we wave goodbye to like what was central to the clone wars show, which was the relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka. Clearly that's probably not going to be the central weight of her character, like going forward, or maybe it is, but like it felt to me like, Hey, this is one of those moments where we're going to hopefully craft something that is like visually entertaining to the audience, which apparently means like 900 fog machines, um, which just like, and I know well, yeah, it's yeah. a dreamscape. I know it's a dreamscape. There, there, there like, was a shocking moment when he says, you know, we're at this battle and it's like, it's a different battle than the one that was earlier, even I though they look like virtually identical in the background. Anyway, um, I, I think it, what's clear is that, Ahsoka has been dealing with the weight of her relationship yeah. with Anakin for the whole series. Yep. And this episode was a way for her to work it out. But I agree with you. Um, it comes out of it, nowhere if you're just coming into this show. Yeah, right? I, think, like, I think that's right. I think that's right. It comes uh, – it's 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 fun. Uh, it's a fun, like, cameo. Like, oh, like, uh, you know, if you're watching Ahsoka, my guess is you know who Anakin's got. Like, there are certain things that even if you haven't seen the animated shows, like, the show can make presumptions about if you're yeah. this deep into watching, like, a spinoff. Um, but I, I do think it's one of those things where I, I, because I didn't have that weight, like so much of it just kind of ripples past me and it's like a, a totally fine bit, but it's, it's just, the show doesn't do any work to get you there in previous yeah. episodes other than mentioning Anakin. Like the Anakin is, is mentioned in the Ahsoka show, but there is no time spent to be like, all you know, the, the, the way we talked about in previous episodes, like, why is she the way she is? Why is she mm-hmm. acting as though she is more of a Mace Windu, like a more uh, like this kind of standoffish, emotionally dead character? Yeah, and if that is because she is carrying the weight of Anakin Skywalker. Well, the show has done no work in the live action form to inform us. And frankly, I think something like that, a little time spent there might have allowed us to like understand if that's part of this performance, mm-hmm. I would have liked to have known that because it would have given a little more insight. And it's like, why is this character so pensive and so stand? Like, is it just her relationship with Sabine? Like, I don't know, but yeah. I, I could have used a little bit more of that because by the time we get to here, it just doesn't pay off for me uh, personally. Yeah. Uh- 
I, you know, uh, how dare you make me defend the show? But I think, uh, I, I, I think it's done a little bit more work than you're letting on. Right? All right, but not, but not including this episode. This episode is a lot of the work, um, but I don't think it's done very much. Uh, I would agree with you there, and it's not like we followed this episode up with a really deep exploration of Ahsoka's character. She's almost completely absent from the next episode. Well, so. because Ahsoka yeah. might as well be absent from her own show. Like, <laughs> exactly. If, yeah, like, as a, like this is Sabine. Feet, yeah. feet, you know, like yeah, feet, featuring, uh, featuring, featuring Ahsoka, Ahsoka right, which yeah. I'm fine with because, frankly, I'm finding one of those characters far more interesting than the other. But it makes for a, it makes for an odd show as a result because it seems, it just doesn't seem like it's fully served. Like if it's going to be an Ahsoka show, be an Ahsoka show, and it seems Absolutely. like it's sharing the stage with two characters, and one of them is like far more dynamic and interesting than the other, in my opinion. Agreed. So Ahsoka is recovered by Syndulla's crew, and through her power, she learns that uh, Ren is with Skull. Uh, Syndulla is contacted by Mon Mothma, who informs her that the New Republic forces are en route to take her and Ahsoka into custody for defying the Senator's orders. As the Republic fleet detachment arrives, Ahsoka recruits a pod of Pergil to take her and Huyang to Bridger and Ren, while Syndulla, Jason, and Chopper stay behind. So that's what happens in Episode 5. A couple of other things I want to point out real quick. Pergil, basically these gigantic space whales. Yeah. Uh, that can go into light speed or hyperspeed. Uh, and I really thought the scale of them was really cool. There's a nice shot where Ahsoka's standing on a ship and you see the whale in front of her and you see how oh, massive the, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, the mouth shot? Like, yeah, that was, that was pretty excellent. Pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. But my favorite part of this episode happens in about, like, a 20-second scene mm. uh, where Syndulla first realizes that her son is able to use the Force, Right. And there's this uh, Asian pilot, this East Asian pilot, who's like, hey, Sindula, we got to get out of here. Like, the, the Republic, they're, they're all, you know, they're all pissed off about us uh, in that accent, by the way. And um, this scene occurs between Hu Yang and that pilot. I'm going to play a clip from the show. Oh, Jason, I- good work. Chopper, stay with him. What am I missing? What just happened? Jason has abilities. His father, Kanan Jarrus, was a Jedi. Okay. We better get on it then. Lander, get everyone moving. We're going back up again. In, See, I thought in, that... Oh, go ahead. In, in that moment, I realized how exhausting it must be to live in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and if you're normal, right? If, like you're, if, you're, not... Yeah, if you're not a Jedi, if you have no Force powers, you just have people walking to you at all times being like... Hey, so and so is part of the Jedi Order, and he his visions tell him the plot, and he's just like, okay, fine, you know what? Okay, let's, all right, let, you know, let's go. All right, that doesn't change my freaking job that I have to do. Like, <laughs> who gives a shit? Like, let's do, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I just had a lot of sympathy for that pilot, and also other people who need to hear all this like Jedi stuff all the time in the show. Yeah. Universe, it's a good you know? character. That character has actually been one of the more consistent yeah. ones across like all of the Favreau, like yeah, center yeah, yeah. of the, of the, he's been in the Mandalorian and, and things like that. And I actually love the scene a little bit later after this, where he has to go up and talk with the new Republic ships and uh-huh. invent a reason to just like delay yeah. time until the space whales can make their way off planet. There's a really, really funny exchange. It reminded me a lot of, like some of the opening exchanges in the last Jedi of just sort of like, like goofiness, like right, talking yeah, with the yeah, ship yeah. Um, yeah. that it's, he's just a really funny actor. And just, I agree. It's nice to have a moment of levity about 
all the shit that's in this universe. <laughs> like sometimes, like again, you don't want to like. I don't like when uh, fantastical shows like can't take their own fantastical element seriously mm-hmm, because it's like, mm-hmm. well, they don't have the fantastic elements. Oh, if you, oh don't. you don't. You need not worry about that in this show. <laughs> no, but, that's if, what, but if there's but, one descriptor I would have for this show. It is self serious, <laughs> and and yet, <laughs> and like there's a fu- there's like a difference between like poking fun at the universe and all ahead is rot and not taking itself seriously. Like a moment like that to have a character that can kind of like for the audience be like, "All right, here we go again." Yeah, here we here we go again. Yeah, yeah, you know, oh, yeah these that's, damn that's, Jedi. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. All right. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Part six, Far, Far Away. Uh, let's just do. In, let's just dive into the recap because there's sure. a bunch of stuff here. So, in in the distant galaxy, uh, the Eye of Sion arrives on Peridia, the ancient homeworld of Elzebeth's people, the Dathomiri. Pause here for a moment. I just uh, really thought the ring coming oh, out cool. of hyperspace oh, or yeah. hyperspeed, like that was just aw- that's just an awesome visual, you know. Um, anyway, like yeah, that is super cool because so, you you don't see you see a lot of ships going in and out of. Is it hyperspeed? Is that what it's called? I just want to make sure I'm getting it. Is it... Your your attempt at guessing this on the spot is as good as mine. I think so. I think well, so, though. We have heard it probably hundreds I'm of times. I'm going to look up Star Wars. It's, it's hyperspace. <laughs> they go into hyperspace? Hyperspace. They go into Using hyper- hyperdrives. But, use, yes. That, you nailed it. Okay. Um, all, right, all right. Okay. So it's really cool to see the ring of, oh, sorry, the eye of Scion coming out of hyperspace. That yeah. is like a really cool visual. Uh, and you see a lot of ships doing that. You don't see a lot of rings doing that, so it's cool to see that. Okay. Uh, Elspeth, Skull, Hati, and Ren meet the Great Mothers, who are night sisters allied with Thrawn. As they wait for the Grand Admiral's arrival, Skull relates to Hati his belief that the fall of the Jedi and the rise of the Empire were part of an inevitable cycle, and his hope that the alliance with Thrawn will break the cycle. Uh, Let's pause here for a moment. So... This is like one of the most interesting elements of this episode to me. Oh, this, like, yes. This idea that Skull is like, hey, uh, you know, empires rise and fall and they rise and fall again. What I'm looking for is a new beginning. And he's he's implying that, hey, this we have he something that I both appreciate and kind of lament is the fact that a lot of these TV series feels like it's trying to fill in the gaps or make George Lucas's work or make, you know, <laughs> the the live action star wars films make more sense right and so 
what's interesting is this guy is pointing out, hey, I don't know if you've noticed, <laughs> but there's three trilogies of Star Wars films, and they all basically have the same plot, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, uh, an empire rises, it falls, it rises, it falls. He's like, what I'm looking for is some way to break the cycle. Now, we unfortunately know he's going to be unsuccessful, but there is something really interesting and potentially tragic to that idea um, that I was just like, oh, I wonder I wonder if this is going anywhere interesting. Patrick, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, at least it's like a rethinking of like, again, like on one hand, it's like a metatextual analysis of like yeah. Star Wars <laughs> um, yeah. in a way that I can't tell is like, is it critical or just pointing it out? And yeah, like right, I, part of right. that will be like, whatever unfolds um here and like it's also hard to tell on on one hand i expect a show like this to be laying groundwork to explain the rise of the first order but like how do we also explain like why thrawn isn't like mentioned why why have we never heard of thrawn i assume that will be explained like somehow this will kind of happen off to the side and yet will like lay lay the groundwork for for the rise of the, the first order like those things can live in live in harmony but um I, it's interesting to have this character off to the side and like makes me like even more sad that Ray Stevenson isn't here anymore because yeah. it just means like, I don't know what's going to happen to this character. In yeah, seven I, I, either Skull will be like killed or vanquished at the end of the season or he'll be recast potentially if there's a season two, right? And then, so. like all of those scenarios are a are, huge bummer to me. Yeah, because, they're all sad. They're all sad, yeah. Because, uh, you know, we see this in like the Marvel stuff all the time where like a villain comes in and then a villain is vanquished. And like, what yeah. has been the most successful villain in like the MCU? Loki just sticks around even if he dies. And, also, like, he's good now, by the way. I don't know if he's you realize. Now, right? He's that's good. That's called now. an arc. Like, you know, like, makes understand. And so, like, it's just, it's rare to have a character so, like, just stand out so strongly yeah. as a, like, and I don't know how much of that's characterization, how much of that is just like sheer. Like, like, like the actor doing the, I don't know. It's, it's a combination of things, but I, I find them to be like, I am so fascinated by their arc on the show. And yes, at this stage of the game, knowing that we're two episodes from like, whether it's a finale or this is just like a setup for a season two or just a lead into the movie. I don't know. He could talk in a little more specifics to, to like the apprentice of like, what do you mean by in the beginning? Like you seem to have an answer to that that you just, but I just want to know, like every, every time he speaks, I'm at least interested in the, cause it's not a traditional like villain hero arc, or at least we don't know. Maybe it still ends up being bad presumably, but it's just, I don't know. I'm curious what they're even up to, which is more than you can often say for a lot of villains in these types of stories. I agree. He's the highlight of the show for me. Ray Stevenson is awesome in the show and, uh, I, I think he's clearly being set up as the guy who is vanquished in season one, and Thrawn is going to be a longer arc, right? Like, yeah. I don't think Thrawn's going to be dead by the end of the season. No, I think it's going to be Skull is possibly dead, or and or Hati are dead, uh, and then Thrawn is going to be the movie or season two or whatever. So, uh, and that's a bummer. That's a bummer. So anyway, Thrawn of, arrives with his flagship, the Chimera, and honors Skull's promise by providing Ren with provisions and the latest intelligence on Bridger's whereabouts. After Ren leaves, Thrawn sends Skull and Hati to follow her so they can kill both her and Bridger, but later admits to Elspeth that escaping exile was his main goal. Uh, all right, let, let's just uh, well, let's 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 talk about the introduction of Thrawn. Like, what did you think? I thought it was fine. I think Lars Mikkelsen, who who played the character in both the animated show and on the live action show, 
he's great. Like it's a great performance. Uh, but does he feel dangerous to you? I don't know. I don't know that he feel, you know, he feels like, okay, he kind of ordered the execution of Ren, you know, offhandedly, but we don't really get a sense of how dangerous he is, how menacing he is, how skilled he is yet in this episode. Um, no, I mean, you, you, so you're a little more familiar with like the, the heir to the empire yeah. like books and the Timothy Zahn arc, but, and I, my understanding of Thrawn is a master tactician that can sense and understand how everything's going to play out. Yeah. And part of the reason he hates the Jedi is because of things like the force that he just can't account for. And mm-hmm. like, that's why like this tension between Thrawn and Jedi's like Ahsoka are like, I can account for everything, but you motherfuckers. And like, that's the thing that drives him up a wall. And like, that's a really interesting tension between the two characters. But this is one of those moments where, absent i think mickelson's performance is like fantastic like there's a little bit of i don't know that this design fully translates to like live action also i wonder if like some of like as the big as the budget is a budget on a movie is bigger and like this would probably look even better like on a film a budget as opposed to the tv i don't know but i think his performance is you can read a lot into it why this character could be like really fascinating and interesting but what this episode lacks is a demonstration necessarily of why they are fascinating and interesting. And you sort of have to take it on faith because a lot of what the show is doing is people going Thrawn. Ooh, like, like he's so spooky, but it's like, (laughs) look, this dipshit got lost on a planet and like, seems like didn't doesn't seem to have gone very well for him here. Like, have you seen the state of his stormtroopers? Now, granted, holy hell, the design of these troopers is killer like yeah so like that gold there, guy there's one clearly... called enoch right or enoch basically like he is a, that's a super cool stormtrooper outfit design i agree uh, it's it's it gives them a look it gives a i think what the show was trying to do was like hey some shit's gone down while they've been on this planet like, you, think, <laughs> you think they want to look like this and mm-hmm. thrawn seems irritated and like i'm i'm hoping we'll get a better demonstration like why is thrawn right why is not, thrawn not just a, a if you, if you just say Admiral Thrawn, he's just an admiral. Like, he's just part of this bureaucracy in the Empire. Like, Excuse me, Grand Admiral. Grand Admiral. He, but didn't like, go to, he didn't go to Grand Admiral school for eight years for you not to call him <laughs> Grand Admiral, Patrick. And I, I and, and, and also, like, the show does no favors in that um, it's like, oh, like, you're here because Ezra Bridgers. And you've been here for what? Like, it's, I think they've been separated at this point for, like, eight years? Like, so, like a, long, a long time has passed in between, like, this disappearance. Um it's not, you know, Sabine, and not to spoilers for the rest of the episode, Sabine finds them pretty quickly. Like, if, like, this yeah, massive... It's easy to difficult. Okay, so, okay, let's, let's, I mean, speaking of things that were only okay, uh, you know, Thrawn's reintroduction was fine. Like, it's yeah. a cool look. But yeah, you're right. I completely agree with you. We don't really get a sense there's of why a lot. There's a lot that I'm excited. Like, it's a good enough introduction. Yeah, like, it's the character's enough. performance is excellent. That like, I think this could be a fantastic villain if played right. right. Speaking of things that were good enough or possibly not that good. <laughs> uh, surviving an ambush by bandits, Ren encounters the native Noti and follows them to their village where she reunites with Bridger. I, I have so many thoughts on this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Number one, mm-hmm. Sabine uh, fighting against the bandits. That was actually legit cool. Like, I yeah. loved that. That was awesome. Where it's like different 
it felt like different fighting styles being balanced, like she and different weapons and different armors. Like she was deflecting it with her armor. At one point, she uses a lightsaber. She's using grappling hooks. Like it was just really creative. Like I love that whole sequence, and it was really well done. And it's clear demonstrations of like what she's good at and how yeah. she's adapting. Like I think one of the like real highlights of this show all along has been the fight choreography and yes, totally like, and and it's new. It feels like, Oh, this is a new kind of paradigm of fighting that we haven't seen in the previous episodes. Um, so I like that they, they, uh, they're trying to keep it fresh and seeing a lightsaber Um, that can't be combined with the force is itself just like a novel. And I, I, you know, I'm I'm desperately hoping like, please don't give her force powers. Please don't mm -hmm. give her force powers. Like she's such a more interesting character. If she has to accept the Mm -hmm. principles of the Jedi's, And, and, but without the cheat code, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. without like a force push. Cause it just, oh, she's so interesting in that way. Thought number two, mm. uh, they have been marooned on this desolate planet for years, but let me just for years, as you said, uh, let me just say, Patrick doesn't feel like the planet's that bad. <laughs> I'm just going to, there's, there's <laughs> like bend. planets to be, have you seen Darth Vader's planet? That's full there's, of lava. It, I, there's nothing planet, good's happening there. There's a freaking bandits. They have armor. Like they have to have some kind of, um, you know, resources to make it. There seems to be moisture everywhere. So it's not like a desert. Um, these little like Koopa, you know, little turtle shell Koopa <laughs> things. Koopas. They can, they, they can still exist. Like the, the, the planet seems to support life is yeah. what I'm trying to say. So it's like, Okay, they're not, this is not some freaking, you know, de- like, de- there are pl- places on Earth that look way worse. So it's like, <laughs> so anyway, um, so it's like, okay, wow, you know, interesting that you felt marooned there. And then finally, the reunion with Ezra, I think uh, this was a wet fart of a scene that basically was completely underwhelming. And then also, you know, there's this dialogue where he says, how did you get here? And she's like, let's not talk about that. It was through... Very evil, terrible things that I had to do to get here. And then he's like, well, I can't wait to get home. It's like, how the fuck is that going to happen? Like, why does he assume, uh, you know, uh, I guess he assumes that the way that she took to get here, they can take home, question mark? But like, mm-hmm. how how would he know that? He, she doesn't even say what it is. Anyway. Well, I couldn't help but think when when Bridgers is asking, like, and it worked, right? Like, and I almost felt like whoever... I think Filoni wrote that episode was just thinking of the like the meme of like Anakin and Padme be- being like like and it worked right and it worked <laughs> right like all I could think of was that yeah. was that meme but I'm with you like what was supposed to be like the thrust of this show yes. has really not been Ahsoka but has been Sabine's relationship and trauma over the disappearance of Ezra Bridgers yes. and yes I know it's been a long time and I can't tell if these two are brother and sister or they want to go bang behind a shed. I can't tell like what the deal is with these two. Sure. But this should have been like a, tr- like a, I should have felt like, right. I'm not expecting for me to tear up because I don't have the connection with these characters, but I expected something. something. <laughs> and I don't know if it's the way it's shot. If it's the aloofness, aloofness, aloofness of Bridgers, but it just didn't work for me. Br- at Bridger all. Bridger does not come across as someone who has been marooned away from everything he has ever loved he for like many years. He seems like he's years. cool. He seems I, like he's just like a. Have you like, seen these little sickos that I'm hanging seem, out with? He seems slightly happier than Patrick <laughs> Klepek when we fire up this call to record a decoding <laughs> TV episode, right? 
Like, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's, hey, how's it, how's it going? Hey, good to see you again. It's like someone, it's like the face someone makes after you haven't seen them for like six months when you see them at a brunch. Like, mm-hmm. that's what he looked. And it's just like, what is, what, what are we even doing here, folks? Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's kind of like, this idea of I, I hate to talk about the sins of the father, Patrick, but like Please. um at the end of Force Awakens, right? Like Ray hands Luke Skywalker the saber, and everyone's like, Oh, they they want like I can't wait for Luke to accept the saber and like you know and uh and, and like continue the whatever the fuck. And you know, talking with Ryan Johnson, he's like, Hey, there's a reason why Luke decided to go to a desert planet and like maroon himself for like many decades or whatever. And it's not because he's really raring to get back into the force, <laughs> right? It's not, he's just going to fire up the lightsaber and be like, let's go. And, uh, and it feels like this big clash between what audiences quote unquote want to see, which is these two characters reunite lovingly versus how Ezra Bridger would actually feel if he, was in this situation, which apparently was terrible, even though based on the environs themselves looks actually just fine to me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, any closing thoughts on the episode, Patrick? Cause we got to record another episode. right? We after do. This. I, I will say, uh, this was one of my favorite episodes for like all of its problems aside. Like a lot of it ended up working for me. I loved a lot of the imagery. I liked, uh, you know, it reminded me of some of my favorite episodes of the Mandalorian, which is like the, like it was Sabine goes to a planet just like it was like the Mandalorian goes to a planet like what's going to be here? And it's like just meeting a bunch of weird little dudes was like that's my favorite yeah. <laughs> part of Star Wars. Like, yeah, oh, who's yeah. this weird little dude? And like, what are they up to? And how does their little uh, and, you know, like that moment when she walks through the like their little place, like there's all these really tiny details. Like, how does their society work? And like them, like, it, all that stuff is some of my favorite stuff of when Star Wars uh, is working best and especially in an episodic format where they can linger in that stuff a little bit longer so um i'm in on thrawn I'm, I'm not really in on the ezra and 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 sabine like reuniting but i'm i'm really excited for the last two episodes even if it feels broadly like it does feel like we're doing a lot of plate spinning because we can't have too many things happen because the things that have to really happen have to happen in a movie and i'll be curious to see how right this season ends knowing like that end game is in sight where it's like, well, how much are we explaining in the, so, but I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm, very, I'm actually like more excited. I was more excited for the finale, the, the, the concluding arc now than I was at the end of the previous episode, which, which didn't work as much uh, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that's going to wrap us up for this mini-sode. Just as I predicted, I think these mini-sodes are <laughs> rapidly expanding to become almost full-size episodes. Sodes. So, they're just sodes um, now. They're just sodes now. Anyway, uh, we will be covering uh, the rest of Ahsoka. We'll also be, in some format or another, we'll also be covering the Continental as well as Gen V slash Gen 5 in the next couple weeks. So stay tuned to podcast.decodingtv.com to get your Decoding TV fix. And email us, let us know what you think of the podcast, of Ahsoka, of everything we're discussing at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find Patrick Klepek's work at Remap Radio, as well as at crossplay.news. He's Patrick Klepek. I am David Chen. We'll see you very soon. Goodbye. <laughs>